Hello and welcome home. You're listening to the Tribe Abuja podcast. We hope this message inspires and encourages you to know and make known the truth and love of God the Father as expressed through His Son, Jesus. Let's listen to the message. So this has been an interesting series and talking about warfare. But this is what I can tell you guys. There are two, two dimensions to warfare. There is a place where a lot of Christians actually believe that there is. It's either you make much of it or you make less of it. So to make less of warfare is when they feel like, um, there isn't, why are we trying to spiritualize everything? To make much of warfare is when every cockroach on your wall is a demon. And when the village people's syndrome has taken so deep in your heart that you can't even hear promises. Now, that is an extreme. Both extremes are not healthy. But I think there's a place in the middle. There's a place where we can have an understanding of spiritual realities and we stand to declare. Because in the, in the context of our faith and the resurrected life, we're not called to fight war. We're called to execute a victory. Now there's a difference between that. The victory has already been secured for us. Our job is to superimpose that on the world. So you don't come to the warfare. You're, coming, you're literally coming to take your place. You're coming to execute that. So you don't come with a sense of, oh, you can't lose. Because the one who is the, who is the son, who is Christ, he's seated in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, and he's your defender. The victory he procured for you is forever yours. Right? So, and I love the songs we're singing this morning because at the end of the day, we have a work to do. So there are many levels. We have won the spiritual war, in a sense, but there is a path we have to carry through in terms of executing that. Now, there is a dimension of war that is happening within us. I'm going to talk, to that about, uh, talk about that this morning. There is an internal war. You know, Ravi used the word environment as opposed to environment. Now, there is the internal state of your life. And there is a war that is happening right inside of you. And if that war is lost, everything else falls apart. And let's face it, no matter how much you try to advance, if the war within you is not actually being harnessed through the Holy Spirit, you're going to lose the war. So people think that life is about the titles, the roles, and the many things we pick as we move along. But trust me, there is a spiritual reality. There is also a cultural war. Say cultural war. Now, I can tell you that this, if you're in the tribe, our job is cut out for us. One of the very, very strong, um, I think one of the strong mandates God has called us to execute is to execute the gospel in the context of culture. And it happens across transition. Now, there was a sense that our parents before us did not quite understand the place of the gospel in culture. So the understanding was get born again and enter church and then lock the door. So the idea, no, think about it, when we're transitioning from civilian, from military to civilian rules, where were our fathers who knew the gospel? They should have been there carrying them card. Because if you can face it, God is not going to redeem any nation without the help of the people. Like God, in the context of our humanity, God requires a man for anything he wants to do. Let me tell you about that. 400 years a slave in Egypt. God showed up one day. Their cries had come up to him. He could have gone to Pharaoh, say, Pharaoh, in the middle of the night. In the middle of the night. I mean, he had given him a dream. He gave some, some dreams to Pharaoh, but that day God didn't show up in the middle of the night telling Pharaoh, Pharaoh, why would you tell my sons to make bricks without straw? And Pharaoh like, who am I talking to? It's the Lord, the maker. Well, he could have had a model God designed the world with. God needed a man, and he had to go set up a burning bush to get the attention of one man. So black lives matter, green lives matter, every life, you know, we are very big on advocacy. But it wasn't your idea. 
It was God's idea to recruit a man for a mission of liberation. So Moses was the first civil rights movement. He was, but he wasn't his idea. God planted a dream in his heart that it's time for you to call my people out. And Moses began the work. Think about it. Abraham had this wild dream. The dream of Abraham one day was to create a nation that will love God and honor him. But you'll be failing to realize that that dream didn't come through Abraham. Abraham was just a channel for the divine. God was the author of the dream. And God called Abraham one night and said, Abraham, I think I need to do something on the face of the earth. All these sons of Belial, they're not getting it. I need, I need me a new nation. And I need a man to work with me on that mission. And he recruited Abraham for that. Think about Noah. The floating zoo was not Noah's idea. Long before ever there was a drop of rain, long before they knew what it was called flood, God told the man 120 years ahead there was something to build. And you can imagine if Noah was to be living in a day, someone is building something called floating zoo. Headline. Senna <laughs> would have showed up. I think he's, um, give me their names. Addison Cooper said, um, sorry, Mr. Uh, Mr. Noah, I, 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 I'm hearing now that your grandfather disappeared and now you're building this thing. Why is your family so weird? What's the, what's the, and then, of course, the, the, the psychologist would come and say, well, the, weird, the weirdos have been at it for a long time. We didn't know why his grandfather just disappeared. He was a weird man. He wouldn't eat. He would lock himself in the room. Another one would come and say, well, it runs in the DNA. It is a recessive gene that becomes dominant in the second generation. They will analyze it because somehow some people can't see beyond the context of time. All that they need to understand has to be logical, scientific. But the Bible is not a scientific book. God is a scientist, but it doesn't play to those precisions. Right? He, didn't, he wasn't going to measure. Some people have been calculating six days, seven. How long did it take God to make the earth? My brother, what is your problem? How functional is that revelation going to be for you? I want to ask me the other day, what is, um, what is your take on reincarnation? Was John the Baptist Elijah? I said, brother, what is the reason of that functional revelation? Christ has come. We are all in Christ. That is, this, that is the matter. Whether you go and be dialing into reincarnation, what is your problem? You want to go and be Elijah? My brother, that's too late in the day because the prophets, wherever they, their peak was our floor. God spoke of John the Baptist. That this guy who was revered and feared and respected, greater than all the prophets, was the least in the kingdom. And you and I are in the kingdom. But the reality is that we are not just in the kingdom. The kingdom is in us. And the kingdom has come to the So there is a dimension of God that has come into every man. And what Christ came to demonstrate was not religion. Christ did not come to set another model of religion. Guess what? He was at cross with. He, he almost got killed earlier than the cross. Because he did two things. Once he confronted them one day. Perform one decent miracle. Anybody should be happy about that miracle. And they decided to say, it's Sabbath, sir. Imagine, someone is walking who, was never, who had never walked before. Your problem is, why was it Sunday? That was their problem. And you know, at the end of the day, while they were talking about it, he said to them that, uh, well, they said, you cannot heal on the Sabbath. They said, I am the Lord of the Sabbath. But whatever he, had, he claimed for himself, he shared with us. What he was saying is that he that is eternal has no context of time. Time is a servant to the eternal being. He came from eternity. Ecclesiastics, you know what Ecclesiastics said? God has put eternity in your heart. So you share in that eternity. If you think that the calendar is your Lord, you will need 30 days to make a living. But when you understand that you are an eternal being, you come from, you come from a realm that is not here. So we come from God. We come from the divine, we come from the trinity, we come from our father. So they didn't know because they've lived many years 
in the context of time and they just feel that I am my birthday. The day you were born was not the day you began. So if you think that because you were born that day, that was the day. No, you only registering your consciousness of self in the context of your memory. All that you can remember is who you are. But that's not the way Christ. Christ did not even register himself as that. If anything, he would have been called Jesus Joseph. Nazareth. Those guys, almost, they almost aborted the call. He showed up in Nazareth because they knew the carpenter's son. They could not assess the divinity that was in him. You know, sometimes our parents and our siblings... And even those closest to us are the last to see what God is doing through us. Because they have the Nazareth syndrome. They, they know you, you, you. They know you now. That tifa of meat in the pot. They know the, they know the other side. And it's rough. Right? So when, when God is trying to polish your rough edges, they are reminding you that, come, you, you, are you the one giving me prophecy? <laughs> see who is prophesying. Prophet and you, you, know, you're not, you're not step it down and say, well, it's not a prophecy, it's an opinion. Because you want a soft landing. But the day he told them that, see, ye are gods. Hasn't the Bible told you ye are gods? Do you know they took stones? They said, why would you say that? He said, I'm not the one. I'm quoting David. And David was not around. I don't know if they would have looked for David. David. But he was stating what, it, what was true. And entirely true. See, when God was creating man, God didn't speak to anything else but himself. And there was a mystery to creation. Every time God was making the thing, he would speak to the source. So when it was time to, the word of God in the context of spirituality is less for communication, more for creation. If you think that words is all about communicating, you never unlock the dimension that creates. Words, these words we speak, if you know what it is, you never let any negative word slip out of your mouth. Because the subconscious does not know you're joking. So there's a dimension of you that is a soil that takes everything you speak and make it a reality. So you and I are living in the reality of what we sowed yesterday, consciously or unconsciously. So don't bother about what was sown yesterday. You're broke today, right? Maybe, maybe not. But the reality is that that state of brokenness was not something that you stumbled into. It, there were a series of decisions, programming, thinking that led you to this point. Because it wasn't God's design for you to be broke. God said, the poor you have with you always, brother, he didn't say you will be there. That was not supposed to be for them who have come into light. Right, but at the end of the day, if you really know what God was doing when he was creating, he would speak to the source. So he, when he was making the fishes, like I said before, he would speak to the water. His words and the water made the fish. The fish needs the water to survive. When it was time to make the plants, he would speak to the earth. The words and the earth and the sand and the ground, everything will make the plant. And so the plant needs to find the soil to remain alive. The day you take the plants from the ground, it dies. The day you take the fish from the water, it dies. Man was not made with anything less but speaking to God. God spoke to himself. Let us speak man. In our image and after our likeness. Think about it for that second. If the fish needs the water, if the plant needs, man was meant to plant himself in God. So that's what Paul was saying 300 times when he said, Christ in you, the hope of God, you in Christ. Because Christ has become the environment, the dimension, the person, the reality in which man rediscovers his divinity. But here is the thing. God will speak to himself. And when we say we are made in the image and likeness of God, there was something we thought that we didn't see the full picture. Do you know what we thought about? I made in the image and likeness of God. We think that God created you. That's half the truth. So you're created, in, you're created in the image and likeness of God. That's one side. The deeper side to this reality is that you never left. So when Jesus Christ came, the understanding was that if you are made in the image and likeness of God, you are... So you're, this is... This is uh, 
What's your name? Cynthia, yeah. Cynthia, please. This is Cynthia. This is Freddy. Now, I'm the father. And this is, I'm the father, the son, and the spirit. This is the divinity. This is Elohim. This is Yahweh. Then this is Cynthia. Now, that is the way we understand the relationship between man and God. This model is called separation. It means that we feel somehow that we're separate from God. It wasn't so. When you look at what Christ said, Christ said, John 14, John 15, John 16, John 17, 20, Christ was on a mission. He came to reintroduce spirituality. And he told man that, see, when God breathed breath into flesh, it wasn't air. He breathed himself. And he never, that's breath that was in man and God were ever in communion. So, man was not just made in the image and likeness of God. Man was the individualization of God's life. Man was in man. God incarnated himself. God incarnated his life. That's what Christ is. When he said the son of God, he's saying that you, son means offspring, father means source. The source, think about it, man. If you think of the ocean and the drop, the ocean is like the, the beauty of the expanse of God. Man is God in a drop. So God breathed himself into man and man came alive. Now, in that context, you and God are never separate. That is what we call union life. The union life is saying that when Jesus gave them an example in John, 14, John 15, he says, let me give you an, he gave us a picture of the vine and the branch. Do you guys remember that story? Do you know that is your, that's the reintroduction to spirituality. That teaching was him reintroducing man to himself. So the, the vine and the branch, what he was saying is, the branch has to be rooted in the vine to find essence. You are a branch in the vine that is God. And what it means is that everything that is in God flows from who God is into who you are. So, Cynthia, please come. I need another volunteer. Please come. So, let me tell you, these two, separation and union, is actually how we do life. They are, these are two Christian realities, and we're going to look at the scriptures in a bit. But if this is separation, your default consciousness is that you are separate from God. In union, your default consciousness is that you are one with him. Here, the definition of church is a place you go. Here, the definition of church is you. So church becomes a person, not a place. That's why during lockdown, many people are in crisis. Do you know, people have lost faith. Though. I've not seen some people, where are they? I'm coming. Because the lockdown cracked whatever was supposed to be the context. They didn't transition from here to a place where they knew they carried the life. When we are speaking, you are the move of God. You know what you're saying? You're making such a bold claim because the life of God has found expression in you. This one, at best, it's, it's um, you know, we talk about the life-giving spirits. And this one, actually, it's more like, think of Adam, in a sense. But the redeemed man should not be seeing himself as Adam. The tragedy here is that this man has already accepted Christ. But his consciousness is very much tilted towards everything he has been and who he was before coming down here. So this one is a life-giving spirit. This particular place, they're waiting for cure. They don't, they're waiting for ventilator. We don't have enough ventilators in Nigeria. Can you imagine if this thing is going to hit us? They're analyzing. You know you are not waiting for ventilator, brother. <laughs> Guys, ideally, we should be saying, where is, the, where is the isolation center, please? I just want to ease myself. You know, because they won't let you get in there. So you have to navigate. Just Please, um, can I ease myself? Where is the isolation center? And then you say, brother, I come ye in the name of the Lord. 
Now that dimension is possible. We are on our way there. We're on our way there. So don't ask me fairly which ascension center did you go to. <laughs> I would ask you the same thing. Which one did you go to? But the, the reality is, look at the Acts Church. It was more this than this. These guys were just wild. We are reclaiming the Acts Church. I don't. I, honestly, I, I don't want to stay in a place where people are cohabiting and justifying everything that is wrong in their life as, well, this is the Lord teaching me how to suffer. No, the reality is that you are, you're making the cross of no effect. Because what he did at the cross was an exchange. He exchanged everything that was wrong about you with all that was right with him so that you can come into it. Poverty was taken so riches will come. Sickness was taken so health will come. If that's not the gospel, nothing else is. The gospel is not called bad news. It's called good news. Unfortunately, some people have made bad news of the good news. Now let's reclaim it and make the good news of the good news. The good news is that, my brother, you were reclaimed in God and he secured you in his love. All that he is, it, you know, we talk about eternal salvation here. And let me tell you the mystery of eternal salvation. Eternal salvation is tied to this reality. When you understand that salvation, you did not give God your life. That's come and give your life to Christ, brother. Anyone, please come out. Where, where are you? I can see two. Do you, that was the one that tricked me. Then I was still in a rededication zone. You know, after you born again, born again, born again. And after a while, shame will catch you small. You now upgrade. So there was, a, there was a category for them who have been in the house of the Lord. But the salvation is not working. So the pastor said, if you don't rededicate your life today. And then somehow they'll, they'll play one video for you. That, there was that, my lifetime. I will give God my lifetime. And it was about... Um, um, where will you go if you die today? You know, so our response to salvation was not about knowing a father. It wasn't about being invited into a relationship. At best, it was about escaping hell. So when I figured I wasn't going to die anytime soon, that message started to fade. But while I was going into rededication, the pastor had said that day that I can see a few hands. And I thought to myself, okay, maybe a few rededication. I don't like being alone. I'm shy. So I thought there were many people Lo and behold, the pastor was speaking of spiritual hands. Because no sooner did I join the team, the usher came and said, Pastor said you should come back. I said, no, 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 no. You know, some churches have KPIs. The number of souls they give that day is recorded. So how they get there is more important than they get you there by knowing who you are. So they, bully, they, they, they cajole you into giving your life to Christ. If you respond to God on the basis of fear of hell, it's not going to keep you long. It's not the condemnation of man that leads to repentance, but the revelation of God's love. And my prayer today is that may you come into the fullness of the awareness of the love God has for you. So, like I said, in salvation, you did not give God his life. Someone gave you his life. Christ gave you. So, at salvation, you showed up. Your life was, at best, a run-down, second-hand car, broken down on the road. It is not what for the Father. That life deserved a decent burial. Put it where it belongs. Nail that thing. That thing was nailed to the cross. You received the life. The life he gave you, his life. That life he gave you is what keeps. If you are doing the keeping, your salvation will expire. Because you were not designed to hold your salvation. You were designed to be held. You don't maintain salvation. Salvation maintains you. And that is the gospel. So the gospel is not about the rules. This is it though. Okay, Cynthia. Okay, guys, let's, let's knock. This was supposed to be introduction. I, I promise to be good with time. Okay, let's look at 2 Corinthians 10, verse, um, 2 Corinthians 10, 3. I'll pull out a couple of scriptures and I'll get
get back in. 2 Corinthians 10, verse 3. Are we there? I'll take it from... Um, so I'm going to be reading from the TPT version, but any version is fine. But just to, once again, remind people, today we are living in an age and time where people are... The Bible has become one of the most divisive tools in our world today. People read this Bible, took salt and murdered their neighbors. People took this Bible to do slavery. What was his name? The Hitler guy. Used this Bible to just justify genocide. I'm here to tell you this. The Bible is not a book. And if you approach it as a book, you're going to get into trouble sooner or later. At best, if you want to look at it from a literal sense, the Bible is 66 books. 66 books written over 800 to 1,000 years. So 800 to 1,000 years means that with over 44 authors, have you edited somebody? If you're an editor, you've tried to edit somebody's script before. Think about it. Translated from three different languages, Aramaic, Hebrew, Greek. The Bible wasn't written in English. Though. So even while we love King James, there was an original language that many translators started to dial back to realize some things were lost in translation. Across 1,000 years, a lot developed. And after the 1,000 years, we got into the dark ages, the canonization, the political agenda, the Protestant movement, and now here are we. I want you to have this thinking. The Bible is God's gift to us. The Bible was, but the Bible was a finger pointing to a reality. The Bible was a finger pointing to a reality that is Christ. So the Bible at best is a witness to the word. The word is Christ. And when you take the, no, honestly, because if you can make this distinction, it will give you context as you study. Now, many times, because I'm coming from a reformed Calvinist place, it's hard for me to swallow this. I can't, if you tell me this before I walk away. But there it lies my, I was knowing God intellectually, but I was not knowing him in my heart. Because it was about the letter, not the spirit. Many people who follow God as a theological exercise can quote every scripture, but they are short on love and they have failed. Because what is the measure of the gospel? That they will know that we are his disciples because of how we love. Greater love has no man than to lay down his life. Love is the litmus test for God. Not how much revelation you have carried. To be depraved of love, full of revelation, is to be a Pharisee. Those guys knew, they, they were the ones that murdered Christ. Law will always prosecute grace. I'm saying that to have too low a view of the scripture is dangerous. So I don't, all these people that are saying, don't read the Bible, your problem is, is, is coming home. The Bible is, I'm asking you to have a healthy context of it. Don't make it a, when you hold the Bible above Christ, you end up with an idol and not a word. And when you hold the Bible lesser than Christ in itself, you also end up with, some, like, with a novel and not something that can transform you. This Bible has transformed us. It has shaped our reality. Right? So I need us to also have that appreciation. The Bible points to, the, to Christ. And I think it was Colossians 3, that Colossians 3.17 that says that uh, this scripture points to a greater reality. Christ is a greater reality. But although it was speaking of the festival, the Passover, and said all the things they observed in the Old Testament were pointing to God. And let me tell you why it gets more tricky. When Christ came, Christ spent many years trying to undo the damage some of them believed about God that was wrong. This is something you must keep in mind. Christ, in a sense, even Isaiah, there were portions where Isaiah was correcting some scriptures. Christ himself, they would preach something, say, that's not what the Bible was saying. So they, they read it, but they didn't have the spirit, the spirit of the interpretation. So interpretation became the, the old denomination today's interpretation. 
And why we initially tried to be interdenominational because we wanted to reconcile the revived and the reformed. We didn't want to tilt towards experience and then not have the gospel and the world. And we didn't want to tilt to the gospel and not have experience. It's so tough to combine because some people have only experience. They, they, are, they, they are following experience, but experience cannot take you to a place of accuracy. It can't take you to a place of accuracy. So at the end of the day, let me tell you two things Jesus did in the Bible that you need to put in context. One, there was a time Elisha, so kids came to him. No, they didn't come to him. They saw him running around. And they said, Gorimapa, Gorimapa. Like, yeah. I don't know if you guys know what Gorimapa is. It's the word before like there, right? But they saw him bald and they wanted to, they called him Gorimapa. Do you know what the prophet did? The prophet got upset though. The guy called down beast from the field. 42 kids died that day or 48. I think it was 40 something. 50. 42, 42 kids died that day. The prophet was angry. And no, God has given us power. But unfortunately for, 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 for us, we don't know, if we don't know the father, we misuse it. Now, fast forward later when Christ came. He was having a fantastic crusade. It was a filled out stadium. And all the kids wouldn't let him be. The kids were running, running, running. Uncle, rabbi, rabbi, rabbi. Do you know, all the disciples, right? The disciples were, were oh, please, go back, go back. Go meet your mother. Go, please. Who has these kids? You know, you know, you know, you know, Usher. And holy police. All the holy police. Where are you going? You can't see the man of God. You can't. They were blocking him. And you know what he told them? Please, can the kids come? Please, can you step aside? Let the kids come. In that moment, he confused them because they knew that these, these kids, don't be, don't be, don't be. We'll call, we'll call fire now on you to just arrange you. Right? But what they saw was something different. How come Christ did not play the card of Prophet Elijah? Could it be that what Prophet what the most Old, Old Testament knew about God was truly seeing God in part? But it was more a reflection of the understanding of God, but not a true revelation of God's nature. Christ is perfect theology. The perfect revelation of God is Christ. Go check Hebrews. You say, this is the visible image of the visible God. If you want to know God, know him in Christ. Now, let me give you another example. Elisha. It was a tough day. The prophets of Baal will not let the man of God rest. They had shown up. And the man of God had an ingenious idea. It was like, today... The man of God directed some thunderstorms and some, and some thunderbolts. In fact, the thing wiped out and the prophets were roasted. Make kebabs of the prophets. Now, there was another time there was another time Christ went to town with John James and I, I guess it must have been Nazareth or somewhere close. Because after a massive publicity, nobody showed up. They, they said the rabbi is going to be speaking on the, his, first, his, his best release, the prodigal son, the first book. You know, they had all the posters. The disciples had gone out to mobilize crowd. Today your life will be changed. Miracle might be involved. Come and hear ye the Lord. Nobody came for the vigil. Nobody came for the conference. Even Jesus showed up that day and said, where, where are the crowd? He said, he didn't come. But John and James had read the prophet, Elijah. They had an idea. Go dial your Bible. Check it out. You know, they told Jesus, let's call that fire. He said, this city is not fit to live. Let's, let's, let's set them ablaze. <laughs> and I'm sure if Judas was there, Judas would be like, I told you guys the publicity money was too much. <laughs> we could have used two quarters of the budget. I, I, I said my own. Nazareth is not making the kingdom. We are wasting our time. 
I know, I know Jesus, this is your village. This is your, this is your constituency, but these people are hard of hearing. You know, Jesus rebuked them. He said, I didn't come here to use my power and be calling fire down. Jesus demonstrated more love than anybody else knew. When you know God in Christ, it changes everything for you. Right? Okay, let's dial this. So, for though we work in the flesh, we do not work according to the flesh. So, still talking about warfare. Next. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but mighty before God to the casting down of strongholds. Next. Casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts against the knowledge of God and bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. Now, one of the pictures you must keep here in mind is life is an inside job. What he's saying here is we live in a battle phase and a battleground, but the battles are not physical. So he's not that downfall driver or the lasma or, okay, this is not Lagos, but you know your own. VIO and all those other things that pull over, right? That they're just, it's not those things that are the reality of things, right? So he's talking about that there is a spiritual side. And I started by saying that spirituality is the source of all things. In Hebrews 1, he was saying that, think about it, the things that do appear are made from things that do not appear. So life is spiritual. Everything we see has taken on. Whatever you see here, whether it is, but if you want to talk about even agendas, whether it's about Islamizing Nigeria, there is, there is a spiritual dimension that is seeking to reclaim. So we cannot be like them that saying, all we need is to get better education because these people are not being educated. That component is not lost on us. It is there. But the enemy takes that thing and exploits it. So we cannot dissect and x-ray reality purely from the point of, of physical existence. Demons know they show for x-ray. So you cannot say the x-ray is this. Yeah, well, it, it looks like it. I read a book one time by Jackie Buckingham. It was a, uh, I think it was a Baptist priest. His son bought a CD. And that particular night, he woke up. He had a very intense earache. The next morning, they, they went to see a doctor. The doctor said they did everything. Nothing was wrong. Nothing was, everything was fine. Nothing was wrong with him. The next night, he had the same press. The next night, he had the same attack. And somebody came and told his father, I think this is, not, this is a spiritual reality, not a physical one. And when they started praying, the guy told them, yeah, there was something he bought. He now brought out one CD, right? And they saw some inscription on the CD, and the father took that thing away, and the guy got well. Now, my point is, some things are like portals in the realm of the spirit. So you and I cannot just go into business without understanding that business is a spiritual thing. You can't even go into your workplace and understand that there is a spiritual side to it. But we're not called to live in fear. We're called to live in awareness of our identity as victors. So we don't go poking around who is the person, or who is the next person that is trying me now? No, that's not the deal. The deal is be more aware of who you are because you're already above those things. So in, here, in, here, in this particular scripture, Paul was clearing us here that everything we see has a spiritual side. Everything has a spiritual side. Galatians 5, Galatians 5, 12. And if you look at Ephesians 6, 12, Galatians 5, 12, Ephesians 6, 6 12 was even talking about, for we do not war against the flesh and blood. But let's do Galatians first. Galatians 5, 12. I just want us to quickly go through these scriptures, then we'll get back on track. Galatians 5.12. I would say that I was I would say that they that unsettle you would even go beyond circumcision. Next. Now this was Paul writing to the Galatians church. For you, brethren, were called for freedom. Only use only not your freedom for an occasion to the flesh, but through love and be servants to. Please can you give me something more modern? Like TPT. Oh, or amplified actually. Amplified will work. 
If anybody there with Amplified, you can read for us just in case we're tracking it. Do you have Amplified in the app? If you, you my brothers, were called to freedom. Only do not use your freedom become an opportunity for the sinful nature, worldliness, selfishness, but through love, serve and take the best for one another. Okay. Thank you, Bolu. Let me pull some things out from that. Galatians 5. All right. So, um, Okay, let's take it from 13. I'll read from Galatians 5, 13. Beloved ones, God has called us to live a life of freedom in the Holy Spirit. But don't view this wonderful freedom as an opportunity to set up a base of oppression in the natural realm. Now, if we tie it to the first scripture, the first scripture was saying that though we live in the natural realm, we do not fight against the natural realm. And here again, Paul was reminding them in Galatians that don't set a base that though we live in the world, though we live in the context of our world, don't define your entire modus of operandi. Don't set up your operating system purely as a physical thing. Your operating system is a spiritual one. It says freedom means that we become so completely free of self-indulgence that we become servants to one another, expressing love in all we do. For love completes the law of God. All the laws can be summarized in one grand statement. Demonstrate love to, you, to your neighbor, even as you care for and love yourselves. But if you continue to criticize and come against each other over minor issues, you're acting like a wild beast trying to destroy one another. 16. As you yield freely and fully to the dynamic life and power of the Holy Spirit, you abandon the cravings of your self-life. So here is the other battle that Paul was talking about, that there is an internal battle that happens inside of every one of us. There is a battle of your flesh lusting after your spirit and your spirit lusting after your flesh. And that battle is an enduring drama for many people. But he's saying that the power of the Holy Spirit has been given to us as you yield yourself to the dynamic power of the Holy Spirit. That power, the victory that is available to you, overcomes. So there are two things you must battle with. The first thing you must battle with is what I addressed when I spoke to this and I spoke to him. And that is the battle of separation. The battle of separation that tells you God is far away from you. You must battle it too. When you wake up, you're not waking up outside of God. You woke up in him. So you woke up to God's smiling face in front of you. You woke up to, you don't need to you don't need to go to, you know, because this is where we've actually created an entire economy around the scarcity separation mindset. So people feel today that they cannot pray in their house and encounter God. So they have to look for one prophet, and the prophet will become your prayer contractor. That's not gospel. Jesus taught the veil so you could have access. Yet men are erecting more veils so they can monetize from it. That's not the gospel. So at the end of the day, you are not a spiritual tourist looking for the next high, the next power. You are the prophet of your life. The reality is that once you know that you have the Holy Spirit, my brother, if you know what you carry, pray for yourself, pray for your headache, it will go. Pray for this, you go. If it's not going, call brother, two, let's pray together, let's keep praying about it. But once you understand that you're one with God, you're planted in him, you don't necessarily need to start to triumph. Many things we do today, even when we give and we give out of, for, uh, out of separation, we need to redefine everything. See, Union life is an entire operating system. And that operating system, let me give an example. If you think about, if you have an iPhone, iPhone today have the iOS app. But this is not the only place you have the app. The app is actually a spiritual reality. <laughs> they have a cloud system. They have a storage place where they house all the many, many stuff. But because you're connected to that frequency, you can download anything from the app store. Your iOS can function. You can, you, you can use the phone. 
if you delete the, um, the operating system from this phone, you've actually lost your connection. I think of the Holy Spirit as that thinking. The technology is giving us sort of like a metaphor to understand that relationship between God and the Holy Spirit living in us and yet still planted in the Trinity. The same way, so what it means is that the Holy Spirit is the access point. So if we go to 1 Corinthians 2.9, one of the gifts of the Holy Spirit in your life is to ensure that he will walk you right into the fullness of all that God has planned for you. So the Holy Spirit is not given just to speak in tongues and get slain in the Spirit. When you get slain, stand up. Then ask, what next? We've been rolling for years. And we're not changing the world. You understand? So my point is, if rolling was the case, trust me, the generation before now, we went on, is if night of bliss, miracles, the bonky, we were rolling. At some point, if you're not very, you know, I didn't always fall easily. You understand? But some days I'll be like, Baba, slay me, Lord. Because it's if, if, you know, if the proof of the Holy Spirit is in getting slain. So there are some cases where even, even my mom was telling us one day how she went somewhere and people, people were getting slain. She said, okay, I'm not getting slain so fast. So she tried to help the slain. Okay, let me just slay. Whether you slay yourself or they slay you. My point is, people, have made, people made activity out of spirituality. They started to dwell on those things. They lost the essence. So in union life, you must realize that like the vine, you don't go to work looking for love. See, yeah, let me tell you guys, if your life here is that Prince Charming will come along, and I pray he does, or perhaps Cupid Arrow will fly right your direction and strike where he strikes. But the reality of the gospel is that when you talk about love, because you are planted, you know, I told you, the water comes from the plant. The water in the plant comes from the soil. And it flows from the plant, the vine to the branch and to the leaves. So is love. Love flows from who God is to the branch, to you. So you don't go to love seeking to get love. Many people are putting the burden on. If you're in a relationship that is cracking, please cut the guy some slack. Or cut the lady some slack. Nobody is designed to carry the weight of another person's crisis. You want to make the person your source of meaning. You cannot, if you're not one with God, you'll be half. And you'll be seeking to be one with another. And you cannot know, it's not two half makes one. No. In the spiritual reality, two whole make one. Right? Even in, even in, in natural science, half and half uh, cannot make two. So if you're trying to bond with somebody, and you're not one, you have to bond with God, be one with God. Find yourself in God. Bond with him. So when you're planted in God, you already have that oneness. Today, our crisis in this world is that we haven't found our oneness in God. We're trying to find it in things and people. And let me give you an instance. She never called 8 o'clock. You're angry. She called late. She missed your call. Trouble. She no miss your call. Trouble. He has not called. You know all those friends that are now saying, I know when the guy is into you. <laughs> Clearly, one that has gone 24 hours and have not called you. They will help you program. There's somebody you. And you spent your entire day scrolling his page on Instagram, looking for colleagues. Who is this girl? She's in your picture three times. Is she the only colleague? And it's like, you're not programmed. Because somewhere along the line, you don't know that. You, you don't need validation from that person. For a relationship to be whole, you have to be one with God and come as whole. So don't kill people. You understand? And you say, call person. How can you be in a relationship and not calling? <laughs> you know, back in our day, there was, there was midnight call and generous. So, you know, there was, you know, 
I was a victim of midnight call. There was one particular time, I was, the person that was calling me and I said, I want this love to cost you. Let it not be free again. Call me at daytime. <laughs> yes, sir. Yes, sir. Do you know? And that let it be expensive that it must cost you something. Right? But my point is, you know, that midnight call, if you are dating somebody, you know, and if the love is doing you, even if the, 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 you didn't finish, but your credit ran out before you say goodbye. You call again and say, please, where were we? <laughs> Another conversation. But if you are trying to finish the call, you guys need to heal. That means there are a lot in the relationship. The relationship is supposed to bring joy to you. But love, you don't bring meaning. You don't get meaning from work. If you are union, if you are one with God, you give meaning to the work you do. You don't get meaning from there. And you know why? So the day you hear that one gossip is just flying around the company, I'm downsized. You're, 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 you're broken in pieces. Like, where will I start from? Who will employ me again? My brother, no. It's their joy, it's their joy that you're there. It's to their blessing that you belong. So you don't ever go, do you think about Jacob and Libra. Do you know what? You guys carry covenant too. And that covenant Abraham and um, Jacob had, God had with Abraham, Jacob carried it. He showed up, Laban, shrewd businessman, a partner that won't pay. This guy usurped him one time too many. Jacob was just quiet because he knew what he had. The mistake Laban did was, Laban, Laban said, we have to separate. Now, this is the time to separate. Not this separation, but they separated. And by the time they separated stuff, Jacob activated his covenant. In the middle of the night, he was in this dream where God told him, showed him something spotted, sparkled, and striped. Do you know, in less than six months, Jacob had the market. He had overtaken the competition. Laban's glory diminished. Laban went to, his sons went to war. Like, what are you doing? Our father's stuff. You are cheating our father. Jacob said, I should be, I took only 5% of the spotted spread. The guy said, why is everything becoming that one? You carry a covenant. Because of the covenant you carry, your company is blessed. So you must live in consciousness of what you carry. Think about what God said in Proverbs, that a, a good man leaves an inheritance for his children's children. But God was only telling us something about himself. God was telling us something about himself. God is your father. And your father is a good man. In Matthew 7:22, you know what Jesus told them? If you wicked men know how to do good things, how much more your heavenly father? You are a beneficiary of a covenant and an inheritance. It's not just inheritance that is just in time. It cuts across spirituality, physical terms, everything. There is an inheritance to your name. And our warfare is not so much about, laying, about killing. And, no, it's about laying claims on our inheritance. Ephesians 1 verse 3, read it. If you go down to Ephesians, Ephesians was talking about there is a spiritual inheritance, there is a spiritual gift God has for you and I. All of Ephesians, Paul was directing us, there is, a, there is an inheritance to your name. You know why the Bible is called a testament? Who is a lawyer here? Don't know. Don't be, okay, please, what's a testament? Please clap for her because the last time I checked, you're not meant to wear gloves, just mask. Clap to that. <laughs> but it's, it's, it's a will. You know, because we've been programmed by religion, when we hear will of God, we don't, hear, we don't see will of God in context of relationship. We see will of God in context of principle. That principle in school that will show up and say, today my will is that you cut grass. You from here, I was terrible at cutting grass. I don't know how, all these 
principal. They will say, no, share it. Everybody be a man. Learn. Because in our days, they'll be telling you in their days how you have to be the rites of passage. My rites of passage is the cross. Well, guys, we're already in. Fully adopted. As sons. So if you go to, let's look at Romans 8. Romans 8, 14, where Paul was talking about that. But your inheritance, the Bible is called a testament, and a testament is a written will. See, the, the church eh, is more a family meeting than a, I don't know what else we're doing. The family meeting, we're coming to hear our father's will. So in this one, anytime you read the Bible, the Bible is a will with your name on it. So you're reading the Bible, you're discovering what has God said concerning my riches, concerning my health, concerning my life, concerning my marriage. And you're laying claims on the promises of God concerning everything. You war with those prophecies. You lay hold of them. You stand on it. So the Bible is, there's a family. If you don't understand family dynamics, you will carry principal thinking, all those wicked principles. And worse if you went to military school. Military school, they damage people. We can be saying love, love. Because they've drilled you, you know, they said you almost die, but you will not die. So my point is, wash all those broken images of your father away from your picture, your head. Even our earthly fathers, some of them did terrible jobs and loving. So your heavenly father, if your heavenly father wasn't the kind that loved you well, you carry that image and come to God. Even when we're singing, good, good father, is who you are. Some of you are still singing, make her not knock your head. Off. <laughs> you know, all those morning devotions that scarred you. You were, you were 7 o'clock, 8 o'clock, you dance. And they say, you're not dancing, and you're clapping for the Lord. Is that, is that how you're going to clap? Is that how you're clapping for it? Drop that phone. If not, I will break it and the Lord will be happy. <laughs> African parents. God is none of those. But Romans 8, 14, for as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. When you understand who you are, your warfare is easy. Once you understand your sonship, you're not worrying from a place of fear. You're working from a place of faith. Now, we're going to close, but I need... Um, Cynthia, come again, come again. One more person, you come. Now, I, I want to give you this illustration. In 1 Corinthians 2, 14, Paul spoke about the natural man understands not the things of the spirits. Now, this is, this is a spiritual, spiritual woman. There's a natural man, and there's a third category he called the carnal man. Now, anybody knows the difference between the natural and the, 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 the carnal and the natural? What's the difference between these two? Any difference? Now, let me tell you the difference. The carnal man is born again. But he's not led by the spirits. Right? The carnal man is born again. The natural man, this is our, these ones are our problem. They've been analyzing, analyzing. It is not, what is the scientific, what is the empirical evidence to show that Jesus was alive and resurrected? What, how can a virgin, they are still trying to crack the code of a, of a pregnant virgin. It's beyond your head. Some things are called mysteries. Right? So my point is the natural man, if you, these three people, all of us here, if we profile ourselves, we fall on this spectrum. And some days you are here, some, yeah, some days you are here. This man is just, many of us are coming from here, right? So, no, change, you come in the middle. Come in the middle. So, carnal is a, a, a place where your senses are leading you. In this place, you take offense. In this place, you, you're impatient. Like all the things Paul was talking about in Galatians 5, go and check it. I call them interference. They are not necessarily, it's not like they make you go to hell, but they are bought your inheritance. You cannot lay claim of your promise of healing because unforgiveness is rooted in your heart.
And it's not because God has not provided healing to you. God has secured healing eternally. But somewhere in your heart, unforgiveness has a way of just, they're called spiritually. That's why Paul said, don't entertain the possibility of these things. Right? If you read it all, if you look, talk about uh, fear, fear is an abort, it's also an abort things. If you're operating in fear, even when you want to do the right things, you end up doing the wrong things. Fear, wherever the Spirit of the Lord is, there can be no fear. So if you're worrying from a place of fear, the kind of man wars from a place of fear. COVID, is, we've conquered COVID in the realm of the Spirit. He never conquered him. He refused to be, he's still remote. Company has sent memo, return ye. COVID seemed to have gone. This was a, let's not be joking, no. Now, we can't be callous and careless. We can be, but we know that we have a faith that is stronger than any circumstances. In this particular one, you're, you're led by the Holy Spirit. In this particular place, you're led by your senses. In this place, senses, logic. This one wants to explain miracle. Right? This is the one that is trying to look for demon in x-ray. This one actually knows that life is spiritual. But he, do, he doesn't exercise himself enough in it. Now, when we think of it in the postmodern world, this is a religious man. This is a postmodern man. Postmodern men today have redefined spirituality. Some of them are, you know, I met some lady once and we we're talking and I, she said, Oh, Freddie, you sound spiritual. I said, Yeah, I'm spiritual, but I'm not religious. You know how that line? And she was happy. She said, Me too. And just when I thought I found the kindred spirit, she said, Do you do Mahayana Buddhi? I said, Kini. I said, No, not, not, no, no, I'm not Eastern. I'm of Christ. She said, oh, I, I see, but you know, not, I said, no, 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 I'm, I'm of Christ. Now, they've carried this spirituality. The world, they've taken it. Meditation, they've taken it. Consciousness, they are losing those words. Those words carry meaning. But when you hear them in church, people shake. Like, ah, meditation was something that is in the Bible. It is a spiritual, it's a warfare tool. So when you meditate, you allow the promises to drill into your heart. In this place, meditation is about escaping, escaping worries. Oh, worries, go away, go away, go away. This one, this one is too busy to meditate. Meditation here for us is about dwelling on the promises of God. It's about reflecting of the Christ within us. Identifying with our oneness with God. Laying hold on our inheritance. Revelation 5.12 gave us seven inheritance, uh, tools of inheritance. Revelation 5.12. If let's go there, Revelation 5.12. So, you need to understand that there is an inheritance to your name. And God did not just come to... No, no, no. We cannot make Christianity. If this is it, you cannot claim anything. You can't claim it. Though. Revelation 5.12. Are we there? Bolu, read. Somebody read for us here. Yeah? Okay. Say with a great, great voice. Word is the lamb that has been slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. This is what Christ secured for you and I. He was slain for your riches. He was slain for your honor. Now, he was slain for your blessing. But you know what we've done? This man doesn't understand blessing. Blessing is what they say when they sneeze. Brother, it is such a rich word. We've reduced it to sneezing. No, bless you. Brother, bless you. No, no, no. Do you know what it is? This blessing is what law of people in, in postmodern world call law of attraction. And it works for them. Because there is, there is actually a deposit of a covenant that allows for you to know that sickness cannot come. Consciousness is reality. So if you are conscious of the blessings of God in your life, you will see the, the, the manifestation of those things. These people here have removed God. For them here, God is not a being. God is an energy. So they speak of God as frequency, a vibration. 
No, and it's not necessarily that they are wrong. God is not energy. It's just that there's, there's a dimension of him that can vibrate. But we don't settle for the vibration. We go for the source. So God is a thing for them. God is a being for us here. God is a, is a personal relationship. He's a father. So here he knows God, but the accurate revelation of God is not rooted in love. So the day he falls, you will see me church. Guilt is a companion. Guilt will come say, are you trying to raise unholy hands? <laughs> Keep it down. <laughs> you understand? So meanwhile, in this particular place, his own theology is that God keeps record of wrongs. And the day he gets there, there will be a video of all his escapades. And that video, God without Angel Gabriel, press play. <laughs> so all of you know that. But, but you know, in this place, your God's delight. He keeps no record of wrongs. In this place, as though you never sinned, it's blameless innocence. God has wiped it. So you come, and it's not like, trust me, when you get here, you'll not be thinking of sin. Because you already know it's a delusion. That the life of God has become your life. So in this particular place, here yeah, we're still dealing with um, how many sins today. Uh, Lord, I forgive you. In this particular place, he feels he has to end his salvation. So in this place, he gives. But he's giving to tithes to block the devourer. Because if he doesn't come, the devourer will invade. So he's walking. This place is a treadmill of performance. In this particular place, she gives because she loves so her giving is an expression of love and it's not a, an ability to earn or a desire to earn anything God has given. This one is still saying they need to give us account of what we've given in the last two years. Meanwhile, his own, his own money was never there. We need to regulate. And so my point is, or they'll tell you, in this place I'll give to charity. Now, when you take God away, when you take, in, in the most Eastern thinking and the postmodern world, they are coming into church, we don't know. Right? I'm dealing with some of these things in Lagos. Lagos is interesting. Abuja, you guys are safe. You guys, oh, in Abuja, Abuja maybe the northern influence. Lagos, mammon reigns. And when you're looking for fame, fortune, anything, they say, look, attract your way. Because for us, we are, we are not giving to our purpose in life is not to attract reality. Our purpose in life is to manifest God. So in this place, change your reality. Go away, go away, depression. And in a sense, some of it works for them, for the source. This particular one, somehow, if depression comes, it depends on the spectrum. Some days it will say, God is punishing me for Diana. And all the karishikas in my life. Soul ties. So you're, you're, you're profiling yourself from all the wrongs. You're free. You're loved. Eternally forgiven. You are a, in this particular place, you are God's child. Think of the prodigal son. You know, people think prodigal son was about the prodigal son. Prodigal was a father. He was a prodigal father. Think about it. Baba don't lose. Your son went and lost everything. Go back home. The fatting calf. The guy went and killed that which they have kept. But because he was showing something, Jesus was telling us. That was Jesus' bestseller. New York Times. But that particular one, he was revealing the heart of the father. He said, you can never fall far away that the Father's love can claim you. When we speak of reckless love, some people don't understand reckless love, but God went the depth for you. He wasn't waiting for your qualification. No, he has qualified you. In this place, you're working to become accepted. In this place, you know you already are, so you are. In this place, you perform to become accepted. 
in this place you know that you don't need to perform you already are but never let your inability to love yourself interfere with the fact that God loves you you are not God right he loves you so you can use your human sense and profile yourself in this particular place take any postmodern issue let's talk about feminism some people here who say it Paul said women should not be pastor let's do it all. these ones will say the Bible is even a dead book throw it away let's look for something that can unite the world in this particular place you see everyone as the image and likeness of God regardless of their gender their sexuality their everything you see them first as the image and likeness of God because everything takes on a whole meaning when man sees himself in the light of God don't see yourself through your eyes. See yourself through God's eyes. That is when your restoration and healing begins. God doesn't define us by labels. Some of us, you've been so bonded with your labels that you've lost your identity. You need to unbond. Your oneness is with your father, not with your sexuality, not with your, not with your ideology, not with your movements. Movement, you can move movement, but movement can define you. Your meaning, your significance is found here. These people, their, their significance is found in titles. They are pastors. Sometimes their significance is tied to the fact that they're a pastor. So they hurt people who threaten their, their security. When God is not this meaning, is not the center for your significance, your meaning, everything comes to you as a threat. In this place, move me to Abuja, move me to this. I'm not moving. I'm, I'm not shaking because I am one in my father. Ordinary posting, this one, some people say, I know they do church again. They posted me pride, interference. See, you will meet these three worldviews. This is the place God has called us to be. In the, when it comes to dream, let me close with that. God has invited us to participate with him for the redemption of the world. God is the dreamer in you, calling you to bet things. The way he called Abraham, let's make it, I want to make you the father of many nations. The way he called Moses, let's liberate our, the people of Israel. The way he called Noah, let's build the ark. The way he called David, go for that head. Bring it down. What is God calling you to? He has qualified you in Christ. God can redeem this world through his dreamers. God is the voice of the dream calling you to claim the world, calling you to demonstrate love. That NGO, God is inspiring it. That business, God has an idea in your head. When we fail to take those ideas and execute them, religion tells you who are you. Religion tells you you are not an entrepreneur. If you are made in the image and likeness of God, God's possibilities are available to you. God's possibilities are open before you. These particular people, sometimes they're even more progressive because they have no roadblocks. If they want to start a business, they start a business. And that's why they're taking, they're taking, they're, they're, this, this is the servants on horses. They've taken the claims of the redemptive right. Our redemptive benefit is not accessible to this man because he needs some approval from the, the Greek gods. But you understand that a lot of you are worshipping the Greek gods, not God of Christ. That Greek gods is defined by rules. Christ's God is defined by relationship. When you understand that you have a relationship with my father, I have sons. You know, in my relationship, I cannot always tell my son, today I'm going to burn you. I mean, that's not it. He comes to me in the middle of the night, dad. So as I said, the team is not showing. I think the data is out. I said, no, it's too late. Let's do this in the morning. You come in the morning and like, Dad, you promise in the morning that we'll do this. I say, yeah, I promise. Let's go and do it now. There's a relationship. And I said, do you buy that TV? <laughs> Listen to me, flee. <laughs> so, 
when you see God in Christ, God in Christ is a relationship, right? You see the Father, the Son. So, you know, in penal substitution, one of us coming from Reformed Calvinists, when you think of penal substitution, you think that God was killing Christ. Say, pierce him. That's, yeah, take a few for the, for the wicked man. Yeah, heap on him. That's it. That's it. That's what your penal... Do you know, that's not the picture of penal substitution. The picture of penal... Now, even people quote a lot from Jeremiah and Isaiah. But he said, we esteemed him smitten. He didn't say he was smitten. He said, we esteemed that to our minds, we thought he was being smitten by God. But you know what Paul said? Paul said, for God was in Christ dying to reclaim the world. So God was not the one calling the shots. Who killed Christ? We did. It was the high priest. Everybody said, nail him. Give us Barabbas. Give us... Was it God? No, God was in Christ dying to reclaim the world. God was doing the dying. When he told Abraham, I need Isaac, he replaced Isaac because he was saying, I'm not the one that takes, I'm the one that gives my life for yours. So not today. Whenever you think of the cross, don't see, say God is taking our sin and, and I'm killing Jesus. No, him and Christ were in the process of dying to reclaim you. He's that much of a lover. God is like Christ. He has always been like Christ. Clap for them, clap for them. Okay, I want to show you one, two, uh, two scriptures and we close with that. 2 Corinthians 6, 11. Um, I need somebody to read with a mic, if you can. Um, we're going to read from the message translation. I love the message translation for this particular one. I, now, the thing is, I study across translations and I would invite you to not, not necessarily reject one or the other as much as possible. I love the King James when I want to dive back to study some things because that's the language I was raised. So it's more natural to me. But there's a poetic side for me that plays to translations like TPT. Amplified opens it up. When you read it across, you enrich yourself. So let's look at it. First, Cor uh, First Corinthians, Second Corinthians 6, 11. Someone can read. Are you with the mic? Dear, dear Corinthians, I can't tell you how much I long for you to enter this wide open, spacious life. We didn't fence you in. The smallness you feel comes from within you. Okay, pause. Guys, let's track up on that. Dear Corinthians, this fence around your life, the smallness, the timidity, is your decision, not God. God is not about limiting you. God is about expanding you. If you discover God, God calls you. Romans, I think Romans 8.14, message translation, it says the spirit of the Lord beckons. There are places to go. There are things to do. God is calling you this country. I came, I came in yesterday night and as I was walking out of the airport, I just heard God saying, this country is waiting for sons. This country is waiting for sons. Trust me, they can steal all they want because if you don't know redemption, you can't give redemption. Only them who are truly transformed can transform a nation. Forget expecting things from men that can't give it. It's a spiritual reality. So the smallness you feel is your choice. You chose to stick it out. You chose to, 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 to dwell. You chose not to take risk. God is not about adventure, not safety. Some of us, safety has become an idol. The way you understand life is to be safe. You took, you're still in a job that is not paying you because somehow you said a bed in hand is worth turning the bush. You're, you, you were raised in scarcity and God has called you to abundance. You were raised in scarcity. Do you know for any time you're thinking, you're hearing, that's not enough. Because when you were being raised, even sharing meat, Please, one piece per person. In fact, in fact let's, let's dial it back. Some people, one, two to one. Have you even shared three to one? And it's like Maggie size. 
So what you didn't know is that you were being programmed by scarcity. So a lot of us today, we don't know that all you're hearing is, is, not, is, is not enough. It's not going around. No, it's more than enough. God is a God of abundance. He's calling you to spacious life. Let your imagination paint the picture of his abundance. See yourself, your image should be a reflection of his image of you. Your inheritance is accessible to you. Let's rise up. There's something I, I learned from um, Bishop David he said something that when he moved to Ottawa, um, that they had built this big church. The place was empty, and they wanted to fill it up. And somebody asked him, so how do you fill this place up? He said, I will walk in the middle of the night. I will come into the, I will come into the, the altar. I will dance my way there. I will touch it. I will touch it. I will speak, and I'm calling it. You and I must understand that every tool today that is available to us is for warfare. You and I have been called. Creativity is part of the warfare strategy. We're not called to usurp culture, but to create what is the reflection of God's creativity. We are meant to be the epicenter of creativity, not to copy. So Beyonce's album cannot draft your own. We're not in a competition, but I'm saying that you belong to the one who is excellence. God did not. God made us in his image. If God is a creator, so are we. But they've told you you cannot create. They told you you, can, you need to conform. You crowned your way through school. You stopped being creative. The question for many of us here is, what should you be creating? God has put music in you. The world is waiting to hear. God has put novels in you. The world is waiting to read. God has put films in you. The world is waiting to see it. And all you need to do is to give yourself the permission to express that which God has committed into your hands. You are your own problem. Get out of your way. Your small-mindedness is in the way of what God wants to do. Get out of your way. You are your own problem. If you can give yourself the permission, God has given you the license. And if you allow yourself to stay small because of some religion dogma that told you God is not to you, prosperity is not an unbeliever's word. Don't say prosperity gospel has messed it up. No, prosperity is God's own word. Don't even think that money is God's. Money is not a, money is not a demon. See, money, is, money takes on the nature of the hand of the person he's in. The Bible didn't say money is the root of all evil. He said the love of it. The idolatry of it is. But many times, you know, I wrestled with this thing because in my own theology, because I felt money was the root of all evil, I started to think that money in itself is evil. I really it awful. The bank account has to blow over. <laughs> you understand? We need to do things for the kingdom. You know, I was sitting down here, I saw what Boy Easy is doing with music, and I'm thinking, man, try music. We need to shake it. Yeah. And I'm saying, we need to shake it. It cannot be that they are doing it, and when you listen to it, they're just spreading depression. Twerking and twerking and doing all of that. That's not the deal. You carry life. Music is a tool. But if your mind is saying that you, you carry church sound, let's leave church sound. That's just one aspect of it. You must not have piano. Leave that one. Go out there. Carry the music. Sound is not illegal. Sound is not ungodly. God invented all sounds. If you lay, lay claim on it, take it and do what you want to do with it. I want to hear God in rock. I want to hear God in soul. I want to hear God in jazz. I want to hear God in R&B. You don't have to sound like Nathan Abbasi to do gospel. For what qualifies it as gospel is to whom your message goes. So even if you are saying holy, holy, and your heart is not to him, you are still not gospel. You can call him and preach for all you want. It is the spirit of the message that qualifies it. And you and I have the spirit of his love. We are called to share things. See, movies are waiting. See what Netflix is doing. Flourish. Cracking one, cracking an entire generation, sexualizing a, for many people that sex is a recreation. We belong to him and we know that sex is not just that. It speaks of deeper intimacy that we now have with our father. So for us, we will keep ourselves. 
We will never come to a point where we can trivialize that which our father holds sacred. But they've tried to break the walls. That's what the postmodern world is trying to do. They are breaking your defenses, one defense, one, one movie at a time. And yet you're the greatest storyteller no one knows. You want to die with your music still in you. You want to die with your movie still in you. You want to die with those things God has placed inside still in you. God is beckoning on us. The world is waiting for us to bust open on every side. The manifestation of the sons of God is not to come up in church and be pulpit preachers. The manifestation of the sons of God is to see you in politics, see you in economy, see you in finance. Because guess what? God has written a code in your heart concerning an industry. If you have a passion for education, it is because education needs to be fixed and you are here with the answers the world needs. We cannot take a gospel that is a revolution and make it into a, a, a small piece of for self-preservation. The gospel is a catalyst. It transforms everything about you. So I want us to make a prayer that, Lord, I want to bring myself into an alignment with you. And I want to open my eyes, open my eyes to see, to see what you deposited in me, to see all that you've called me to be, to see all that you've called me to do. I open myself today that the, my every skill will fall off my eyes. I will see myself through your eyes. I want to lay hold of your promises. I've been called to an inheritance as sons. I stand on that inheritance. I've been called into an inheritance. I've been called into a, a life with God. Now there's somebody I want to pray for here. You've been dealing perennially with depression. Like I told you, depression sometimes can be a familiar spirit just hovering over you. But every time you look at the Bible, God left clues for us. Sometimes when you see depression, all you need is a shout of a king is amongst us. Sometimes, you know, David danced. What people didn't understand that David was in a spiritual war. The dance he was dancing as we were bringing the ark was a spiritual revelation. Some things are not prayed away, they are danced away. Right? Bishop Beautiful said, I danced people into altar. See, I danced it. My point is that dancing doesn't belong to the club. It belongs to God. And if we don't use it, the enemy will pirate it for what it is. See, the, the shout of a king is amongst us. Sometimes it just even broke. The shout is actually the breaking of the walls. You and I cannot be too sophisticated for some of the things that kept our fathers. The principles cannot fail. A postmodern mind can see it as scandal. But you and I must be discerning enough to know that this is God's tool. God will lay a tool in your heart in the middle of the night. Wake up, take it. You carry God, you cannot be limited. You can change your reality. For us, broke, broke is a state of the mind before it's anything in the pocket. God has given you the mind of Christ. So therefore, nothing can limit you, right? The limitation is through your permission. If you accept it internally, it becomes a reality. So Father, let the scales fall from our eyes. Let every scale fall from our eyes. Thank you so much for listening. We hope you were blessed by the message. To listen to more, consider subscribing, sharing, and rating the podcast. We love you.